You work hard to build your business. Be sure you're protecting it. Rock Solid Financial is the top insurance and financial literacy firm for small business owners. We specialize in small business funding consulting, credit repair advisement, business credit acquisition, strategic uses of life insurance products for protecting and cash flowing a business, and strategies for entrepreneurs to create tax-free retirement savings. No matter what stage you're at, no matter if you're a solopreneur, a small business owner or somewhere in between, we can help. Visit www.rocksolidfinancial.co forward slash advice to book a free consultation and learn how we can help you to protect you and your business. Hello and welcome to the Lofty Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Tanisha Coffey, aka The Lofty Entrepreneur. Thanks for joining me. Now, as always, we are providing the best tips, tools, advice, and inspiration for entrepreneurs, no matter what stage you're at. So if you haven't already done so, click now to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, on today's show, we're tackling the issue of health insurance for freelancers, independent contractors, self-employed business owners, entrepreneurs, basically, however you choose to title yourself, if you own a business or want to, this is the show for you. Now, I'm going to do my best to get all the questions to the health insurance um, for the health insurance topic that you sent in. I'm going to try my best to get them answered with the help of a very special guest, one of my business partners, Mr. Rob Rawl. Now, Rob is a seasoned independent insurance broker with 10 years in the biz. He specializes in life, financial planning, long-term care, and he is an expert not only on how health insurance works for business owners, but how business owners can really make health insurance work for them by buying strategically. Hi, Rob. How are you? Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Tanisha. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. All right. So... I am going to hurl a ton of questions at you today because there was so much interest in this topic, all right? So um, I want to make sure that we get as many questions as possible answered, all right? Sure. So first up, I want to clear up a myth, right? It's that some people have about what the ACA, ACA, the Affordable Care Act is and isn't at its core and like, how it works and, and how we can use it. So can you shed some light on that for me? Yeah, absolutely. So all in all, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, was, uh, was actually written in a bill in 2010 and actually started being implemented in 2012. So um, it was pretty much just designed to make sure that people that didn't have a gap in coverage can have their pre-existing conditions covered, um, as well as income, being more of an income-based type of insurance, whereas um, back in the day before that, you'd have to have insurance um, to have pre-existing condition coverage within 60 days. Everything was fully underwritten. Um, if you didn't have that, you, your pre-existing was not covered at all for a full year. Um, so that, that really changed the game. Right, right. So what's the difference um, when we talk about health insurance coverage that's provided through ACA? versus non-ACA health insurance. You touched on it a little bit, but let's go down, let's let's kind of break this down a little bit further because you also mentioned about, you know, ACA having to do with income and things like that. Um, I think a lot of people think that you have to not be making any money in order to actually qualify for ACA, but that's not the case at all, right? 
That's true. That's very true. Um, I mean, just to touch on that real quickly, is, as far as how the insurance works with the income is that it's based on household size. So some people will think uh, another myth, let, let's say to, to kind of bust here is, is that people will think or somebody, maybe they spoke to someone, an agent, and they said they can't get approved for ACA because they make too much money. Well, that's just simply not true. They just aren't eligible for a tax credit or subsidy to be able to get coverage through the ACA, but they could still get the insurance. They just have to pay full price and it's usually pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so what would the difference be between when we're talking about ACA health insurance versus non-ACA, which is basically private market insurance? That's what you're kind of getting at, right? Right. So the people that do end up um, let's say making too much money that don't qualify for a subsidy, which would lower their premiums. Um, if they're healthy, they can get pretty much the, what, what health insurance used to be. Now it's referred to as short-term medical insurance, um, which still has the deductibles and co-pays that you're used to, but that's underwritten, which means you have to answer a series of, uh, answer no to a series of medical questions. Mm -hmm. But with the ACA coverage, you don't, it's not underwritten. Not underwritten, that's where all the pre-existing condition coverages are going to be covered. Mm -hmm. Right. So in an ideal situation, if you have any sort of pre-existing conditions and you're um, you know, focused on a budget for your health insurance, you definitely want to be trying to see if you qualify for ACA, right? Absolutely. And every year, the income brackets are getting higher and higher for people that are eligible for tax credit and subsidies. Right, because like, for instance, people tend to think you have to be, um, you know, say making $20,000 or less in order to kind of qualify, you know, because again, they're stuck on the income. But the reality is, is you could be making say 50,000, but if you're a household of say five and don't hold me to these numbers guys, because I don't have chart memorized or anything. But, you know, the point is you could be making 50,000, but if you're a household of five, you might still qualify for a subsidy that would bring that health insurance cost down. Quick example. I mean, every state is going to be different, right? Every county is going to be different as a matter of fact. But in Broward County here where I reside in, in Florida, um, I had a couple who last year wasn't eligible for a tax credit or subsidy because they made 100000 a year as a couple. This year, they're actually eligible for quite a bit of a tax credit, still making 100000 a year with just two people. So. Um, it's, it changes. Right. So the point is the lesson learned there is one, if you tried before and you didn't, you weren't eligible, you should still try again whenever yes. open enrollment, um, is available again. Right. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. And the other thing is that, um, you know, really think strategically about what you're doing, because if that couple hadn't gone back to you, they would have never known and they probably would have been paying. You said they qualified for quite a bit, which means that they're saving a lot of money just by having, just checking that eligibility, right? Right, right. They were paying about $700 a month for a private market plan through United Healthcare. And we ended up finding them a, a ACA plan through, I believe it was Bright Health for less than 400. So, I mean, nice. that's almost half. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely.
Now, a lot of people think that they can only get health insurance during um, the time of year, which is called open enrollment, which typically happens in like late fall, around the November, December time of year. However, um, even though it's a popular time, that's not the only time. So what are some of those other special times or situations that people can apply for insurance coverage, ACA, all of that great stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called an SEP, special enrollment period. There's a few different things that can qualify you for that. The basics is getting married, divorced, um, loss of a family member, or even birth of a child, um, or just relocation. Uh, relocation to another county will most likely allow you to be able to get that special enrollment period, which is available year round. So as long as that's within a 60 day window, then um, you'll be able to uh, apply outside of open enrollment, which is normally November 1st to December 15th in most states. Mm -hmm. And then what about people, because, you know, my audience is full of entrepreneurs, so people who maybe were working, you know, a traditional job, and then they've either had to separate from that position, or they've chosen to move into entrepreneurship, would that change in job status also qualify for a special period or not? Well, it depends if they had insurance through the employer. If they did and they lost coverage, that's technically uh, a special enrollment period is, is loss of cover, of credible coverage. Um, credible coverage could be employer coverage or even state coverage. Okay. Now, in that scenario, what happens if they, okay, so you said if they did have coverage, right? What happens if they chose like, they, they could go on COBRA. So COBRA is an option. Now, oh, <laughs> so, so what happens is, oh, you're shaking your head. Yeah, so I know a lot of times people will choose coverage for COBRA when they're leaving a job. And oh my gosh, guys, if you're not watching, if you're just listening, he is telling you, no, don't do it. Okay, so- The only reason, the only reason why I would tell anybody to go with COBRA is because either A, they met their deductible for the entire year, okay? Because COBRA is going to be any between five to $700 per person. So if you're a family, it's like, it's outrageous. So if you've already met the deductible for the year um, and maybe a few months left um, and you're okay with paying the premium because you like to plan that much um, or you have a, like an upcoming surgery treatments that you have, um, or some that you've done in the past that is still kind of like pending. Um, but other than that, I don't think anybody should be taking Cobra, honestly. So what should they be doing? That's when you speak to a specialist like myself and know your options. You right. Know, um, just, it, just based upon just a few basic questions, I'd say less than 10 questions, I would know where to place someone. And see, I, I hope you guys are really listening to this piece of advice because I know um, from personal experience when my husband, he was working for a police department and when he was choosing to leave that in order to go into real estate, doing real estate full time, you know, we were presented with that option, you know, for COBRA. And when we did the math, it's pretty much like Rob was saying, you know, at that time we were a family of four and, you know, so we were looking at that and the insurance was around probably 1700 or around 1700 to 2000 that they were wanting per month. And that was just completely 
um, you know, out of the picture. And at the time I didn't have the same knowledge that I have now, you know? So I, you know, I was just looking at that and it's like, okay, Cobra is not an option where I was like, we're just going to not have health insurance. And that's basically what we did. Definitely don't recommend going that route. Listen to what Rob's telling you, speak to somebody, speak to an insurance broker because they may be able to help you find something that actually works for your budget and, and everything like that. Okay, off the soapbox. So let's keep it rocking, right? So I wanna talk specifically for entrepreneurs now. So how do we find out if we're eligible under the um, Affordable Care Act? As an entrepreneur, I know for individuals, it's different, you're working or not working, but you're an individual, but for a business owner, it's a little different because that whole income component. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as long as you're doing it correctly to where you have an LLC, you're getting most of the income through there and you're paying yourself, then you just use whatever it is that you're paying yourself. Simple as that. Um, let's say that you're not just an individual, you know, sole proprietor. Let's say that you actually have an agency or you have multiple employees now. Um, I normally suggest my clients with over five uh, full-time employees to that's that's when it's more beneficial to get a group plan and there is no um special enrollment there's no open enrollment it's available all year round for business small business owners so as long as it's less than 100 employees um i believe that that you can submit uh and you could still get tax credit and subsidies to help you pay for your um, employees health insurance as well okay so that's a great, great tip. I was going to ask you about that. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about the elephant in the room. Dun, dun, dun. Cost, right? Because everybody's always terrified of the cost. We talked about the types of costs that people can expect, of course, if they're dealing with COBRA. But as a self-employed person, um, you know, looking for that health insurance, what kind of costs should people be prepared for? That's when it bates, it's based upon income and household size. Um, I mean, if you're making less than 13000 a year as an individual, you're most likely going to get onto Medicaid or Medigap. Um, if there's any, I mean, I had somebody that was making just under 13000 to where they um, were going to get Medigap um, instead of Medicaid or ACA. Uh, this happened today, actually. And I asked her, hey, do you do anything on the side, like anything at all? Like, I don't care if it's walking dogs or, or anything. She's like, Maybe yeah, sitting. actually I have, <laughs> right. Um, so she, she actually has somebody that she does two nights a week caretaking and they usually pay her under the table. I'm like, well, hey, listen, if we just say that you're making at least a thousand dollars a year from that, I can guarantee that you're gonna get really good health insurance for a really low cost. And so because of that, um, I just said, hey, listen, is when you file your taxes for 2022, because everything's projected on the next year. So mm -hmm. everything that we're doing today is projected. OK, so it's not like it has to be set in stone in order for it to be true or accurate. Okay. Um, so there's a, there's a bit of flexibility when it comes to that. Um, as long as by the end of the year, closer towards the end of the year, we're as accurate as possible to what we said on the original application. And if it is changing, we just need to update it. That's simple. 
Okay, so guys, I hope that you really heard that. So with the ACA as an entrepreneur, it's still based on your income, and but it's based on what you project your income will be. So we're not talking about the pipe dreams like, oh, I just started a business today. I'm going to be earning $500,000 by the end of next year. It's great to dream. It's great to have your goals, but... <laughs> you know, for these health insurance purposes, let's be more realistic, you know, do some real numbers based on what you actually plan to sell and what you actually think you can bring in month to month. And then you use that income in order to, um, you know, as you're applying for these health insurance to see what you may be eligible for either under the ACA, ideally, um, or, you know, if it ends up being private insurance, if your numbers are higher, if you're more experienced in business, um, you know, but keep those things in mind. That's a really, really critical point because a lot of entrepreneurs think that I'm not making any money yet, or I'm, you know, I'm not sure, you know, because sometimes I make money, sometimes I don't. It's an estimate, right? So just, you know, keep that in mind, but make a smart and true estimate. And then again, if that changes, if you're going to hit higher, significantly higher or significantly lower, you definitely want to make sure you reach back out to your insurance broker so they can help you change that so you don't get hit with the consequences, which, Rob, what would those consequences possibly be? You would have to pay all that money back um, in your taxes. Uh, you'd lose a lot. Either you lose a lot of your return or you end up having to pay more. Um, so hope you, hopefully you have a good tax preparer. Right. which we do have at our firm, by the way. That, yes. <laughs> so um, let's, let's flip this over a little bit. So what if somebody has, say, um, access to health insurance because their spouse is working a nine-to-five, but they are, um, and that nine-to-five makes the insurance available to spouses and children and, you know, others in the household, um, but the other person is the entrepreneur, what should they be kind of thinking about in that situation if they're thinking strategically? Yeah, that's a really good question. So most of the time when you start adding family members onto your health insurance through an employer, it's going to get pretty expensive. It doesn't matter if you have two kids or even 10 kids. Sometimes the family plan is the family plan. So um, what I normally suggest is if that's the situation, because a lot of times well, sometimes, very few times, actually, the employer will actually pay a majority of the family insurance, then keep it, you know, go for, I mean, the entire family is covered for $200 a month, $300 a month, even that's usually the best way to go. Um, but when they don't cover as much coverage for the rest of the family, and it's only a majority coverage for the actual employee, not the rest of the family, now you're paying $1,000, $1,500 a month to have the entire family insured. That's when I would just leave the employed on that plan and the rest of the family on another coverage. Okay. So the rest of the family could be eligible to go and have that ACA, check for those ACA, see if it, they're eligible, all that great stuff. Yes. Okay. Good to know. All right, so let's talk about some of the common types of plans that are available these days. So, you know, it's, it's alphabet soup. You know, you got your PPO, HMO, EMO. So I want you to kind of break it down, <laughs> break it down. You know, what are these, you know, what are these types for people so they understand just 
you know, like PPO, what's, what's the PPO? What's the basics of that? Yeah. Uh, EMO. That's funny. So it's, it's actually, it's EPO. Okay. I know. But I know. anyways, so, <laughs> uh, so, so PPO does stand for provide, uh, preferred provider organization. So you can go in or out of network, nothing really doubles. You just might pay a little bit more if you go out of network. Um, whereas the HMO, the HMO, you have to stay in the network. That is the health maintenance organization. Otherwise, your deductibles, your co-pays, everything pretty much just doubles, if not triples in the worst case scenario. Okay. But you'll never be turned down in an emergency room or a hospital that you don't have to worry about. Okay. And EPO? Oh, EPO is just more of a smaller PPO um, when it comes to, and it's mostly ACA that has that. Um, those you definitely want to use within the network. Uh, and they're more of a, of a county type of network as well. You can't really go outside of the county. So there are obviously pros and cons to the ACA. That is definitely a con. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, cost-wise, um, if you were to kind of rank those plans, you know, what would be like the lowest cost? If, if there is kind of a generalization you can make across the board, what would be the lowest, like lowest to highest? How would those typically rank? I mean, it could go from $10 a month to, I mean, really depends. So uh, let me give you a quick example for myself. If um, as an individual making too much money, I am 35. So if I go on the ACA, my cheapest plan, I think it was about 350, 360. Um, but when I go to private market, short-term medical, that's underwritten, as long as I can answer no to this medical questions, I found a plan for myself. Like, I think it was less than 150. Um, so it just really depends on the income and household size. It's really hard to, um, give a range. I mean, other than $10 or possibly even free, it really depends. If you got, um, unemployment in 2021, then your premiums are probably going to be free. Your doctor visits are probably going to be free and your medications are probably going to be free and your specialist might be $5. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the range could be depending on, again, just income and household size. So free to 350 to four and age. <laughs> age um, matters. Yeah. Age definitely matters. Uh, I had someone that is 64 a plan just for her starting at, at $800, $900 a month. So wow. thank God that, that her income was only 16,000 a year um, because she had recently lost employment and I was able to get her coverage, health, dental, vision. I think it was all less than 60 bucks. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's the magic you're working over there. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What about deductibles, right? So when people are looking at these plans, everybody looks at the premium and they also, you know, look at the deductibles. I mean, of course there's co-pays sometimes, but I think the two things people look at are those premiums and the deduct deductibles. So first explain what a deductible is for those who may not be quite certain, never got that memo. And then let's talk about, you know, high versus low and when, you know, each might be a good idea. Sure. So um, with, with what a deductible is, uh, the, the best way to describe it or, the, or general rule of thumb is if you don't have a copay, 
it's most likely going to go towards your deductible. So doctors, you have a copay and none of your copay goes towards that deductible. So if you don't have a copay, you're going to pay out of pocket and then it's going to go towards the deductible and bring it down. Um, that's the best way to describe it. Usually hospitalization, surgeries, um, because most tests are covered, regular doctor visits, urgent cares, um, lab works are usually covered. Um, preventative care is something that's completely free under the ACA. So females have their two visits and then us guys have our physical every year. Um, and then that's pretty much it is just hospitalization and surgeries. And if you don't have a copay, it's going to go towards your deductible. The main reason why I would want anybody, I suggest high deductibles all the time because it's going to save you money. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, yeah. so rather than paying more for a, a lower deductible, pay less with a higher deductible and add a little tiny rider on there that will automatically cover your deductible. So you don't even have to pay that deductible to begin with. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's ways of being able to do that and you still pay less money monthly than paying so much higher for that less deductible. So the only reason why I would suggest a lower deductible rather than the higher deductible with those riders and still make it more cost effective is if you're getting a surgery, is if you're getting some type of treatment that you know that you have to get done, you've just been putting it off, mm -hmm. that's when I would suggest a lower deductible and it would have to be through ACA, of course. Right. Okay. So guys, I really hope that you kind of heard that those higher deductibles don't be afraid of them, right? It's better to pay that lower premium each month and kind of roll the die on that deductible because there do exist riders that you can purchase that can cover those. So you know, just keep that in mind. Don't be so afraid when you're, when you're researching, when you're looking at these plans, think strategically, think about, you know, what your spend is, how you're spending your money. These are, this is a business decision if you look at it that way. And so really think about how much you're putting out the expense and then think about getting those riders or asking those questions of your insurance broker to say, okay, now what can I do to bring this down? How can you help me to cover this so I don't have to pay for this out of pocket? Because I guarantee you there are options. You just have to ask the right questions, okay? So um, now I wanna know if there's, I know I've just bombarded you with question after question. You've taken them like a straight soldier. So I appreciate you. I wanna know, do you have any other tips for an entrepreneurs who are wanting to buy strategically, you know, things that can help them to really make their money go further um, or, you know, things to kind of just consider to make sure they're making the best deal possible? Absolutely. You touched on it earlier. Um, cause if you are just starting out and you have a business plan to make a quarter million dollars in the first year, first of all, kudos to you, right? Um, tell me what your business plan is and let's work together. But, um, <laughs> is, as far as starting something out that is not so easily scalable right away, start with a low income start, I mean, and, and, and talk to me to, so I could tell you what's realistic and what's good and what you can get away with, so to speak, for as long as you can. But I, I can't make it any more 
um, you know, important that you have to change it though. Once you start making more money, you will have to pay more in insurance. Won't be that 50, $60 anymore. It might be 150 to $200, but you're not going to get in trouble with the IRS, which I don't think anybody wants to do. Right. All right, Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate you guys. I hope this was valuable to you. Go ahead, do me a favor, rewind it, play it again, because you did miss something. And I guarantee you want to know everything Rob has just shared with you. If I leave you with anything today, it is you need to be using a broker, an insurance broker. And I say a broker, not an agent, because brokers have access to multiple carriers. They're not um, specifically aligned or tied to a specific um, company, health insurance company, if they're an independent broker. Um, so that's another thing, an independent broker. So that means that they can give you the most widest range of options for you to choose from. And they're going to be more focused on what's you're needing and be able to customize for you, your business needs, all of that great stuff compared to um, if you just go online on yourself. You can do it, but you're not gonna know about all these other options and writers and what they mean and how to really make them work for you. So that is my tip today. I am Tanisha Coffey, AKA The Lofty Entrepreneur. Again, if you have not done so, what are you waiting for? Subscribe, please click that button. And then sharing is caring. Be sure to share this with another entrepreneur you know who could use this advice. Thank you, Rob, again. And thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. You work hard to build your business. Be sure you're protecting it. Rock Solid Financial is the top insurance and financial literacy firm for small business owners. We specialize in small business funding consulting, credit repair advisement, business credit acquisition, strategic uses of life insurance products for protecting and cash flowing a business, and strategies for entrepreneurs to create tax-free retirement savings. No matter what stage you're at, no matter if you're a solopreneur, a small business owner or somewhere in between, we can help. Visit www.rocksolidfinancial.co forward slash advice to book a free consultation and learn how we can help you to protect you and your business.